three. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Baz. There's Sip hanging out outside on a beautiful Wednesday. There's Parker, not outside on a beautiful Wednesday. It is 2.11 p.m. Happy September to you and yours. 9-1-2021. Maybe Nebraska will be 9-1 after 10 games. Probably not. But um, Maybe they should have started. Maybe they thought they were starting their season in September. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe the season does start in September. Maybe that's the message we'll get from Scott Frost tomorrow when he meets with the media. See, the season starts in September. But a uh, lot, lot to cover today. We're going to talk sellout streak. It's going to continue for at least one more game. We're going to talk some comments from a couple of – from Scott Frost, one of his assistants that kind of contradict each other. Uh, we're going to talk about the game Saturday against Fordham. And we're going to make a couple of game predictions uh, at the end of the podcast. So should be a good one. Let's get right into it. Came out yesterday afternoon. Let's roll. Came out yesterday afternoon. Uh, the sellout streak will continue. It's going to go to 376 on Saturday. Trev Alberts and the university announcing that a, a couple of anonymous donors had stepped up to buy the remaining. It ended up being about 2,400 or so tickets that were left. And Nebraska is going to turn into what they're calling the red carpet experience. Get those tickets to, to underserved kids in the Lincoln area around the state. will probably be pretty localized. This weekend, Trev Albert said, just because of the timing of it and logistics and things like that. But, yeah, sellout streak is on for at least one more week. This is the only game that is sold out so far this year, so it's going to be a weekly grind, as Trev said. But after all the, I guess, the hand-wringing, the drama of the first couple of days of the week, the sellout streak lives on. So we'll see what the stadium looks like on Saturday, but all the tickets have been sold. All right, great podcast, guys. Thanks. All right, we'll see you later. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear music in the background? No, no, okay. it's very faint. It, I, I do think it's important. I think it's going to be a week-to-week conversation, but I think it's an important conversation. I'm a, sort of amazed by people who casually dismiss the sellout streak, and you know, it can end, and it's no big deal. Um, I get it to a point. I mean, I, and I totally understand it to a point. But I think as long as you're in the neighborhood, you might as well, you might as well, you might as well work hard to hold on to something that defines the program. It's one of the final vestiges of what came to define the program. We stiff armed one when when they got when they we totally stood up and cheered when they got rid of a style of play in 2003, and it just seems weird to me that people are so so casual about this going away too i mean eventually what defines the program at all you know so that's where i stand on it yeah it's interesting go go ahead Bess. no i I was just gonna say simple basically just just echoed what trev alberts told me yesterday when i talked to him you know it it is he and he kind of did he kind of chuckled like like trev alberts likes to do sometimes and he he made it very clear that yeah, a lot of people have made it clear how important the sellout streak is to them, you know. And he talked about that they need to to do and they need to put in the work administratively to keep it going. It's going to be a week to week grind. And he he made it sound like it's a very very important thing in the in the in the important offices in the athletic department. So yeah, I, I think you're spot on, simple. You 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 and Trev seem to be of a of a like mindset there in that. That is still really, really important, even though, you know, opinion is divided on it. It's, it's the thing that's interesting to me is that if it ends this year, I mean, 
if it ends next week against Buffalo or if it's, I don't know, you'd think that once they're in conference play, it's, it's less likely to happen. Um, it's less likely to happen on homecoming against Northwestern than it is for a September 4th game against Fordham when you're coming off a sort of dispiriting loss to open the year. But I do think, I mean, there's multiple things going on, right? I mean, it's not getting easier to sell stadiums out in general around the country. It doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the location. I mean, it is. People have more options. And especially um, given where the, the pandemic is right now, people have a lot more options. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to just say, oh, you know, I'm going to stay home uh, and watch it on a 70-inch TV. And, oh, by the way, I bought a Peloton during the pandemic so I can get a workout in, too, while I'm, while I'm watching the game. And that's just now, like – yeah. Why leave your house ever? Yeah. I oh, know. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what I would do. I'm just, it's pretty clear that that's, that has happened. Yes, um, no doubt. So, so that's it. There, there's a lot of competing elements for why um, it's getting tougher. And I, I do think there's an interesting, it's probably hard to, you know, get to the bottom of this on a, on a extremely factual level, but You'll hear people say it's because um, they're 12 and 21 under Scott Frost. You'll hear people say it's because of the pandemic. You'll hear people say it's because of, uh, you know, mask mandate or, or any sort of limitation on being inside downtown before you come to Memorial Stadium or whatever it is. Um, it's probably a little bit of all that stuff. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, I think it's, I don't think they'll, I don't think Trev Alberts and I'd be just based on what he said about perception. I don't, he does, he said, he said, I don't care about perception. I care about where Nebraska is actually at. I don't think it's something that you'll see him prop up long term. Yeah. Um, but if someone wants to buy up the remaining tickets and give them to kids that wouldn't other, otherwise actually be able to come, like, there's nothing wrong with it. That's awesome. So, if people want to keep doing that, then and the sellout streak continuing is a byproduct of that. I mean, you know, more power to you, I guess. Yeah, and and, and the thing I would add is whether that okay, I would say this: whether the sellout streak's intact or not, Nebraska has an incredible fan base. And how incredible is it that during a pandemic and with all the things you mentioned, Parker, and with all the losing that's transpired, Nebraska was still was within two thousand four hundred tickets of a sellout yeah. to me that's incredible if the sellout streak in it ends it's not an indictment on the fan base at all it's an incredible fan base i'm just saying that they should do what they should do what they can to keep it alive and hope that 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 the winning comes back because if they win 10 11 games we're not even we're not having this conversation anymore. i don't yeah. think you know, there are some people that say no it'll persist no, I don't think it will. If the pandemic subsides greatly, the winning returns, that place will be so jacked up that I don't think we're going to be talking about tickets um, um, not being bought. Now, I will. I would say, too, it would help if they could, in a subtle manner, reduce capacity. I think you could yeah. get it down to 80,000, uh, maybe at the upper 70,000s, like 78, 79,000. Maybe that would make more sense, but... For the time being, I think it makes a lot of sense to cling to something that defines the program. Do what's in your power within reason to keep it going. 
it's it's interesting, simple because if if the sellout streak ended what, Saturday or next week or whatever, I, I don't indictment's not the wrong word on the fan base. But Trev Trev said in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days, it is a fan base statistic, like it is a fan base achievement, and the fan base owns that. You know, I mean, there's if the football program keeps losing and the fans keep showing up at the stadium, the fans can very earnestly say, Hey, look, we're doing our part here. You know, we're doing our part. We're paying the money. We're coming to watch a product. And, you know, I mean, fans in any sport in any place speak uh, with their wallets and their effort at some point along the way. Um, But, but sort of to your point, uh, I think if the fans keep showing up and selling out the building, um, it's just one less, it's one less thing that you could point to and say, well, it's a problem. It's clearly not a problem. It's an amazing uh, group that's just continued to show up every time they have the opportunity to show up. Simply, you nailed it. You know, it's not like if and when this thing ends that it's going to be because there's 40,000 people in the stadium. You know, there's still going to be 85,000, whatever the number is, an enormous number of fans. And that I think I, I love what you said that it's not an indictment because they were, like you said, through everything, they're still only had 2,400 tickets they needed to sell. You know, how many, how many major college football programs would kill for that kind of statistic this week? Oh yeah. With a lot smaller stadiums than Nebraska. So it's, you know, coming up 2,400 tickets, sort of a, short of a sellout at that's fine. Like I, and it's, again, it's not happening this weekend, of course, but yeah, it's, that seems like something that you, and it probably will be when it gets to that point, if that, if that point comes, it's going to be something where we'll be able to say, you know what, the losing continued. They still got within a couple thousand of selling that baby out. So it's it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out over the next few weeks and, and whatnot. And when it does end, if it does end, it's not going to be because they only sold 50% of the tickets. It's because they came up a couple thousand short. And and based on what we saw this week, it's going to, it's going to end not because the athletic department didn't make a pretty darn strong effort to keep it going. That's right. Good job, Baz. Thank you. Any, any other thoughts? Well, I, I'm just curious to see what it looks like. You know, 11 a.m. game, Fordham. You know, it is sold out. Like, what's the atmosphere going to be like coming off? Yeah, of I'm that? curious. You know, I'm curious. You just talked about it, Parker. Like, speaking with your wallet, speaking by showing up. The crowd's going to show up, but what's that crowd going to be like? Are they going to be antsy? You know, is it going to be? the first three and out of the game and a 24 yard punt or the murmur is going to start or whatever it is. And so that's, I guess that's, that's the part I'm curious about now that we can kind of, you know, move past this for the, for this week anyway. Yeah. there's a big difference between, I mean, and this goes for any school in the country. This isn't, is not a Nebraska specific conversation, but there's a big difference between the tickets being sold and people walking through the turnstiles or whatever they have over there, you know, scanning your digital ticket on the, uh, you know, robots they got over there. I mean, the, it's going to be interesting. There's no, it's the environment is always going to be different for an 11 a.m. kick against Fordham a little bit than it is uh, for a 6.30 p.m. kick against Ohio State or, you know, Wisconsin or whatever. I mean, that's that's the way of life. I thought it was interesting, though, like for all of the talk about the sellout streak this week, one of the things that the that you got in talking to the players this week is everyone's really excited to be back in a building with fans there for a real game. We just haven't experienced that for a long time. And so part of, 
I feel like part of the the coolest thing about the solid streak extending one more week is that the the the, the program, right? The kids that are going to get to come to the game that maybe otherwise wouldn't. But maybe the next best part about it is that you can just sort of enjoy having people back in the building um, and and returning to Memorial Stadium for a football game for the first time in 22 months instead of wringing your hands about whether it's a sellout on paper or not. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Go, go ahead, Steve. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Parker. It's I, just, I, I mean, we saw it last year, right, just covering the games in an empty stadium. You guys saw it on the road, too, but – like it, it wasn't any fun to, to watch that stuff in the stadium. It wasn't any fun to watch it on TV. It couldn't have been a lot of fun to play in. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll see a team that, that has a little more fun this week just because there is a little bit, there is some juice and, and it is different. And it is back to, to what it looked like before for the most part. So, yeah, that's, that's the part of it that I'm curious to see is there's going to be juice. What's that juice going to look like? And how does Nebraska respond? Right. And I, now the one thing I would, the only thing I'd add we can move on. I mean, I do, obviously you think about those, the disadvantage use, and that's a big, to me, that is an incredible idea. And I think it could be a tradition and it honestly, that being a defining trait of Nebraska's 2021 home opener is that I think it'll make it memorable. Now I also think about the players and Baz, you alluded to, I think this, the, this crowd conversation is largely about the players. It's not, I mean, I, I think it's important for those, for fans to support players. And that's what fans are for. Um, so I, and I, so I, I look at it from that standpoint too. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's an important discussion. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know if we'll do it every week now, but um, we'll cross that bridge when we come. Four stories a week coming at you. Yeah. Yeah, that could get old for people pretty fast. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think, like, it is it is what it is, and we'll have, to, we'll have to check every week, and we'll probably get an announcement every week, whether it's a sellout or not. But by the end of the year, it's going to – I think a lot of people will be sick of hearing about it. So – Speaking of being sick of hearing about it, let's move on to something else. How about this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got, uh, of course, some some comments from Scott Frost on Monday that uh, kind of blew up uh, nationally on social media. We had to throw out half our game plan after we saw how Illinois lined up on defense. Matt Lubick came out yesterday morning, offensive coordinator, and said, well, that's not exactly what happened. We had contingencies for the odd front, for the even front. We had an entirely separate play sheet for the even front, and we called a lot of that stuff. We just didn't execute very well. So kind of contradictory uh, in, a, in a way, I guess. So I'll, I'll give it to you guys. What did you kind of make of what Scott said and then what Matt Lubick said? Go ahead, Parker. Well, I think if – I mean w- – based on what Scott Frost said on Monday, it's just concerning in its own right. I mean, whether it was, whether it wasn't half, if it was, you know, whatever, 20%, or if, if they had a separate play sheet, but that play sheet wasn't what they spent the majority of the time working on. um, You know, it's just, it's not, it's not a good look, no matter how you slice it. Um, And, and the issue, like the, the issue at the end of the day essentially is, you know, the goal of, of coaching is to put your kids in the best situation you possibly can for them to be successful. And 
there's really not a way that you can make a legitimate argument that you did that um, if you have to throw out half your play sheet. Where, you know, I mean, I understand it's difficult. You know, there's another team across the way um, that's going to – is trying to, um, you know, combat whatever, whatever it is you're doing. Um, but, you know, what, what Matt Lubick said about having stuff that could work against any defensive front and trying to adjust to it, I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Adjustments are – largely the name of the game. You got to have a good plan. And, and yeah, it's harder the first week of the season against a new coaching staff and all that, but um, it's a, it's, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't a good start, put it that way. Um, and it showed, you know, they ran the ball 20 times for 39 yards in the first half. Um, and they just, they didn't get into any kind of rhythm offensively whatsoever. And so you extend by the, by at least a week and, and perhaps more this, conversation about like what I, it, it was hard, watching them on Saturday. I think I kept thinking like, it's hard to know what they want to do. Like, what is it yeah. that they, what, what are they trying to be offensively? Um, yeah. And that doesn't get any easier on your players for them to sort of figure that out and have confidence in it when you're changing the plan midstream, because you guessed wrong about what the other team was going to do. I'll tell you just, I mean, from a jerk, from a sports writer's perspective, this whole conversation points up how, I guess, challenging covering football is and how frustrating for me it is because I don't know the level of confusion the players felt. You can't, it probably varies from player to player. Um, there is so many moving parts in football, there's so many different people involved, there's a lot of voices. Um, so it, even Frost him saying, did, did he really throw out half the game plan? I mean, I don't know if he, if he maybe he was just yeah. exaggerating. Yeah. It could have been a figure of speech. Yeah, exactly. I, I just, football is a strange sport to cover compared to like tennis. You cover a tennis match and it's pretty cut and dried. If a guy double faults 17 times, it's probably why he lost the match and it's right in front of you. There's no simple. Headset, there's no headsets involved. There's not, offensive lineman that you can't, I don't know. I can't read what an offensive lineman's doing most of the time who can. Um, I've talked to offensive line coaches after games who can't answer questions because they say they want to watch the video. Who the hell has time to watch the video in our, in our shoes. Um, so football, I always feel like we're making a lot of assumptions. Um, we're trying to read things that maybe we have no business reading and it all passes muster usually, you know, um, I don't know what the hell happened with that offense because I wasn't on the headset. Um, I would, I would pay a lot of money to hear a replay of what that headset, those headset conversations um, sounded like. Maybe they sounded very normal. Um, and that would be interesting to me too. Um, but I don't know. And you got two different kind of takes on it from Frost and from Lubick and who knows the real truth. That's a simple just came up with a great fundraising idea for the athletic department. If you pay a hundred thousand dollars, we'll let you wear a headset during the game and listen to the God. I'd pay it. I, no, I'd raise the money somehow. You, you'd start a GoFundMe. <laughs> you can you can if you have the if you have the full transcript from the radio transmission on Saturday, you can hit up Sipple for his signal and you can send it encryptedly. Would you yeah. like to hear what that sounds like? Yes, absolutely. It'd be fascinating. You would have a lot better idea what this conversation, if it's meaning, how meaningful it, it really is, if you heard it. You know? 
it would be hilarious if it was like just a bunch of f-bombs and stuff like it's just us in the car driving to illinois or driving home from illinois <laughs> just a string of expletives what do you think it's is more what do you think is more what do you think is more profanity laced being in the car with us on the way to champagne or being on the headsets on the sideline during a football game i don't know that's oh, a good question i'm saying us in the car maybe it was m- mundane but from yeah. Maybe that maybe that conversation on the on the headsets of the coaches was mundane. I doubt it though. And I've heard enough over the years about those conversations that they're often not mundane, even in rather ordinary circumstances. So I would have liked to hear it. I would like to, I would like, I would like to hear who's in charge. Um, yeah. Who 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 has the best ideas? Who's bringing some a sense of calm if it's if it's needed? I'd like to hear all that. You know, you know, what's interesting is regardless of exactly what, how much Nebraska had to change on the fly, um, you know, from the first series on the bottom line is they just didn't produce consistently on offense. Right. I mean, they, you know, and, and for like what we heard about in camp did not match what we saw on the field on Saturday. Right. Like the offensive line, it was not quite a show like we heard the battles between the offensive line and defensive line were in camp. It wasn't, they, they pushed the ball down the field, uh, I guess once effectively. And then another time that got called back because of offensive pass interference and they didn't get in a rhythm, you know, and they didn't finish drive. They finished one drive in the red zone. They didn't finish another one. So for whatever the reason, because they had to scrap some stuff or, because they just didn't play very well or whatever, you know, the bottom line is that scoring 22 points isn't going to win you very, very many football games. Um, And so that like, it's got, they've got to get a lot better on that side of the ball, no matter if it's that they got to have a plan that they can use all of, or, you know, some of it obviously is execution. Some of it's adjusting in the second half, some, but you don't, it's hard to know, they just stopped running the ball in the yeah. you know second quarter with the running back when it was uh, when it was nine to nine. It wasn't like they were down two scores in the second quarter. So I, it's just it's sort of it was sort of all around. Uh, it was just sort of all around a head scratcher. I thought. Well, here's the deal. Okay, and this is I think this is what I've got a, the gist of what I'm writing for Saturday. Is you better you better have a good game plan with this offense because unless I'm mistaken and you guys can. You guys have your own opinions, and I'd like to hear them. Um, Unless I'm mistaken, there's no NFL player on that offense that's presented himself other than maybe a tight end, um, Austin Allen. Now, if you don't have first-team All-Big Ten talent and you're confused by your game plan, you're going to lose at Illinois. That's what happens. They they don't – what Brett Bielema said after the game was really telling. Yeah. Really tell, which was the only player we worried about beating us on their offense was number two. Okay. That's Adrian Martinez. Now, Adrian Martinez isn't an NFL player. He hasn't shown to be an NFL player. I don't, I don't see another one out there right now. Not right now. No, nobody that's, that's shown you that type of talent. And if you're, if you really did throw out half your game plan and there really was confusion, how do you win? How do you, how do you win? How do you win? In yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Sip. They're, they're not going to, they're going to out talent Fordham this weekend. 
They're probably going to out-talent, listen to me, they're probably going to out-talent Buffalo next weekend. But who else are you out-talenting in the Big Ten? Maybe Michigan State, maybe Purdue, maybe. I don't know. And so, yeah, you you better have a pretty darn good plan, and you better be able to adjust because it's not you're not – you're not Ohio state or even Michigan or for that matter, or even Iowa for that matter. You're not just going to have more talented guys on the field than the other teams. Oh, so, so, so coaching becomes even more important. Yes. Yes. That's where I was getting to. Yes. You've got to coaching, coaching matters everywhere, but it, but it really matters in Nebraska's case when the talent level isn't consistently better than the team across from you. And that's what we saw. On Saturday, the talent level was not appreciably better, and that's a whole other discussion for for another day. But it was – you've talked about this, Parker. It was basically a stalemate up front uh, between Nebraska's offensive line and Illinois' defensive line, and that was an area some people thought would be a strength for Nebraska was up front. And Yeah. Go ahead, Parker. No, I was going to say that the question that I kept coming back to on Saturday is like when the going gets tough, what, where, what do they do on offense? Like, what is the, do they have a calling card? And, and I, if they do, I haven't seen it, you know, in, in four years, really. I mean, in 18, they could, they could count on running the ball effectively, but they're like it legitimately on Saturday. The thing that they got the most production out of was Adrian scrambling and taking off running when he got pressured. I mean, that was, that was the best thing that they had to go to was, when it breaks down, he can get out of the pocket and make a play. And oh, by the way, you know, that also cost him seven points. The same, yeah. you know, same type of situation, him trying to make something happen under duress. And it just, you know, you, you, they got guys wearing hats that say run the damn ball in the spring. And you hear about that all of camp and then they show up in the game. And when you don't, when it's not easy from the start, running the ball wasn't easy for Nebraska early in the game. So they just bailed on it. You know, they just went away from it. They're like, well, we'll try something else. And that, I, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be, you don't forge an identity by doing stuff when it's easy. I mean, you forge an identity by, by sticking to something when it's hard. And I understand when you're down 20 points going into the fourth quarter, it's a little different. But up until that point, I was just was really surprised by the lack of commitment to trying to line it up and run it at somebody and say, Hey, look, we're here to, we're here to fight. You know, we're here to, we're here to put it to you because you just didn't really get that sense from them much. There's a deal. What Baz will remember this Baz remembers what you said about Adrian, the best play on Saturday looked like a play that breaks down and Adrian can take off to Adrian can improvise. That looks a lot like 2002 Nebraska when it had a, a, a dynamic running quarterback Jamal Lord, and yep. I always, I always used to say, I don't know about you, Baz, but I always used to think, okay, play broke down. This is their best chance because Jamal yeah. was an incredible, an incredible run, and he often made those, turn those broken plays into first downs or long gains. But the team finished seven and seven. I mean, it's that's yeah. not a, that's not a, that's sustain- not a, yeah, it's exactly right. It's not sustainable at all. And, and you're right, Jamal was a was one of the great runners at quarterback Nebraska's ever had. But like you said, 7-7, seven, seven, didn't work, wasn't consistent enough. So that's a probably a good place to transition here to a hot topic. And that's it's going to focus on the game Saturday. Nebraska playing FCS, Fordham, Fordham season opener. What could Nebraska possibly do Saturday to, to change your perception 
of this season or their perception of this team and the direction they might be going. And I'll let one of you guys lead it off. Go for it. All right. Uh, uh, there's not much, first of all, but there are there are maybe a couple of big picture things. Crisp. I want to see crispness. Crispness. I want to see a team that executes. Uh, not at a not at a. They don't have to be perfect, but executes at a, a high level because there shouldn't be a lot of stress. Um, where oftentimes, not to get overly philosophical, but a, I mean, for instance, a boxer's mechanics, a boxer's game plan, a boxer's technique breaks down when he gets into the ring and there's stress. Um, clearly an opponent, like when you're outmatched. Okay, Nebraska's not going to be outmatched. There's no reason why it shouldn't execute at a pretty high level throughout this game. Because I don't think there's going to be, there's not, they're not going to be facing an opponent that's bigger and stronger and faster. They're not going to face an opponent that's much deeper talent-wise. Like, like, you know, they would against maybe an Ohio State or Wisconsin. So there's no real reason in my mind why it can't play a fairly clean game, if not a very clean game. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. You know, I don't – I've thought about this not only in the context of this week, but over the next three. I mean, they're going to be – they're obviously huge favorites this weekend against Fordham. They're going to be big favorites, I would imagine, against Buffalo – next week. And then they're going to be huge underdogs against Oklahoma on September 18th in Norman. And so like, if you're talking about this week, or if you're talking about the next three, what, what are you going to think differently about Nebraska on September 19th than you do now? I think I'm with simple. I think a lot of it has to do with execution. Um, You know, a lot of it has to do with, Hey, can you just play the next two weeks without really committing any penalties, you know, without doing, without making a bad mistake, without, you know, without getting yourself backed up three straight, you know, against Fordham, you might be able to survive a holding penalty, right? First and 20, maybe that doesn't kill you on Saturday, but it will, it will down the way. It did against Illinois. It will against Michigan state. So just don't, you know, can you, can you play 60 minutes without making those kind of errors? You know, if they're self-inflicted, if it's shooting yourself in your foot, in the foot, then it still matters against Fordham because you 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 want to see that that level of of clean play and then you know the other thing I guess the other thing would be I, it would just be good I don't know if they go hang sixty points or something like that that doesn't necessarily mean oh it's all fixed yeah. but I think that it would be good for the players to feel what it feels like to play a long stretch in rhythm on offense where it feels like you can't do anything wrong where it feels like you're hot, where you've got options, where you set something up and you're thinking through the game as you're going along, hey, okay, now we're going to hit them with this. Like, I don't think that they've necessarily felt that in a while. And so just bottling a little bit of that and maybe you can carry some of it over to Buffalo and then carry some of it over to Oklahoma, that would be that'd be a benefit that maybe the players can get out of just playing good and feeling good. Um, but like Simple said, I mean, that, that's going to start with execution. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Play like you're – act like you've been coached. You know, act like you've been drilled not to run backwards to the one-yard line and catch a punt and then try and throw it out of the end zone. You know, act like it, Act like it's bad to, to drive a quarterback into the ground and get up and stand over him. Yeah, don't, don't – just don't do all this dumb stuff. Like, it's the same – 
it's the same crap every week. And you guys see it too. Like it's, it, we saw everything last week that we saw every game last year and every game the year before that. And like you said, Parker, they, they're probably not going to be perfect on Saturday, but just like, my God, like don't do like the egregiously stupid stuff against Fordham that you could probably get away with against Fordham that you can't against literally anybody else. So they're, they're going to win the game by a lot more than likely. Um, they better win the game by a lot or there's going to be bigger issues to talk about than, than execution. But yeah, like just act like a football team that's been coached, act like a football team that doesn't have a disconnect between the, the plan and practice. And then what you do in a game act, act like a big 10 football team. I'll, I'll, I, I think that's maybe the simplest way to put it. Just act like a, like a big time football team, go out and, and take care of business. Yeah. I think it'll be a big time atmosphere. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, it's, this isn't 1978 Nebraska, Oklahoma, but it it uh, it should be a big time atmosphere, and you'd like to see them play at a level that's commensurate with a big time atmosphere. Yes, absolutely. On that note, should we give uh, should we give some game predictions and get out of here? Yes. Before before we do that, I should I should point out that Texas A&M has announced Jimbo Fisher's contract extension. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. Extended to December 31st, 2031. An annual salary of nine million dollars, starting on January first, twenty twenty-two, and will increase to nine million one hundred fifty thousand on January first, twenty twenty-three. And in each of the following years, his salary increases by a hundred thousand dollars through twenty thirty. Yeah, Jimbo's doing good. Jimbo's doing well. Jimbo can coach. He has a national yeah. championship ring to prove it. Um, he's a big-time dude, is what Jimbo is. He's simple Oil. single favorite American of all time. <laughs> he's close he's right up there you had seven wow. years guaranteed at seven and a half million dollars left on his contract they gave him an extension how about that what a world extension in a race all right let's do this game predictions nebraska fordham 11 a.m saturday memorial stadium 2021 home opener i'll go first fordham at their levels they're gonna be all right this year they're gonna be pretty good I think they're picked second in the Patriot League. I'm working on the opponent scout later today. They've got their they've got their conference's preseason defensive player of the year, their conference's preseason offensive player of the year. So they've got some guys. That, but this team's going to be outmanned pretty badly, uh, just from a physicality standpoint, from an everything standpoint. And I, I think back to a couple of years ago when Nebraska played Bethune Cookman. I believe it was 48 to nine. Parker, is that right? Or pretty close to it for the final yep. score. I think it's going to be something similar to that. I, after, after our, after I just had my rant on act like you've been coached, I think Nebraska comes out and is still a little sloppy and still kind of does some dumb stuff. It costs some points, but it doesn't matter against Fordham. So give me Nebraska 52, uh, Fordham 14. Go ahead, Parker. 49, 17. Okay. Um, Baz, here's what I would say. I hate doing these predictions before I read your breakdown, your annual, your weekly, not annual, your weekly breakdown and of the opponent. Because I know nothing about Fordham, nothing. I mean, I, I know they're in New York City. I wonder if they have a, a good drama department. I, I would think so. Um, Alan Alba went there. Okay. See, I, I would wonder immediately because Broadway and all that, you would think they'd have a good drama department. Um, 1942 Sugar Bowl champions beat Missouri two to nothing. They got, I want to they read got a good stuff. law school. They got a good law oh, school. Okay. Okay. I want to read. They got that. a Nebraska kid on their roster. They got a kid from Millard West on their roster. Backup linebacker. I that? want to read all of that. Uh, I will say I'll keep it kind of conservative. 
because I'm not sold. I mean, I'm, I don't know what Nebraska's offense is capable of, even against Fordham. So I'll say 48 to 17. 48 17. So you're one point less than Parker. Parker said 49 17. Yeah. Do the breakdown though, and I can I might change my I'll do the breakdown. I got I'm cranking out a, a Gabe Irvin story right now. Then I'm gonna crank out the breakdown. Then I'm gonna crank out a little KC Tomanaga. We talked to KC Man. this morning. Just keep grinding. I'll do my crank. own form of breakdown. I have my <laughs> own break. You have your own. I'm gonna crank out a sellout streak story tomorrow. Crank out the the, the hot topic tomorrow. We're grinding. We're grinding over here at the Journal Star. All right, hey, play, make sure you play Tom Petty's breakdown while you're writing the breakdown. It's on repeat here in the basket. The live version. The live version. Live version. Of course. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That's all for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Nebraska will maybe they're one and one. Maybe they're not. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. We'll talk to you next time.